This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. What will America look like when this election is over? No one knows for sure yet, but what we do know is how determined the radical left is to fundamentally transform this nation. And with the financial backing of billionaire George Soros, the threats that socialists could eventually control this country are all too real. But Soros isn't just funding leftist groups like the ACLU or Planned Parenthood. Did you know he's also given away millions to leftist faith groups. Now, why would this atheist billionaire be using religious organizations to advance his goals? There's always a reason. And D. James Kennedy Ministries takes a very hard look at his influence in a made-for-TV documentary called Billionaire Radical, George Soros and the Scheme to Remake America. We're going to talk more about it now with the president and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries, Dr. Frank Wright. Frank, great to have you with us. Hello, Janet. Great to hear your voice. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about George Soros. For an atheist, he sure seems to like to fund religious groups. What's the scope of what he's doing with his money trying to influence the election and the furtherance of his goals? Well, George Soros today is what Fred Smith and FedEx is to overnight delivery. He is the distribution system and the money for just about every hard left organization in America, including our, uh, the reports on Black, like, Black Lives Matter, Occupy Wall Street, SPLC, the list just goes on and on. And not only is it Soros' money, it's a whole collection of other fellow travelers in the foundation space, like the Democracy Fund, the Pew Trust, the McCormick, all these different groups seem to follow George Soros around, the Ford Foundation and others. When he makes a gift to a left-wing organization, they do as well. What was curious is what you've alluded to, is why would an atheist get, like George Soros give money to what you and I would uh, call uh, left-wing evangelical groups, probably with evangelical in quotation marks. Yeah. And the answer to that, I think, is the old, simple old saw, he who calls the tune, uh, he who pays the piper, rather, calls the tune. Yeah. So Soros is giving money to these, groups, to these groups so that he can influence them. And he's been fabulously successful, so much so that a friend of mine produced a video entitled Rent an Evangelical, yes. which you can, might be able to find it online still, in which they show undercover camera uh, footage of progressive organization leaders saying, yeah, anytime we need an evangelical to say something good about what we're doing, we can rent one. And so the influence in the church today, at least in the left-wing portion of the evangelical church, is now becoming very largely connected with the agenda of Soros, which is nothing more than a Marxist socialist agenda. Well, right. So when we're talking about some of these left-wing religious organizations that Soros has been funneling money to, who are we talking about in particular? We're talking about everyone from the National Association of Evangelicals 
which most people wouldn't necessarily, uh, they don't know better, wouldn't necessarily make that connection. Certainly sojourners, Jim Wallace and, yep. and others like that that are on the hard left, Religions for Peace and Faithful America and so on. But some other surprises like the ERLC. <laughs> yeah. No surprise there for me. You're but... laughing. Not a, not, a surprise, not a surprise in the Mefford household. No. Uh, but also World Vision. Catholic Charities, Faith in Action, the World Council of Churches, some of these others are predictable. But uh, we're starting to see people who present themselves as evangelical faithfuls also taking money from Soros. And you just have to scratch your head at some of these things, because here is a man who subscribes to uh, Robert Owen's thesis from 1826, the three things holding back socialism are private property, religion, and marriage. Wow. And they're doing everything they can to destroy uh, the church and the family, which are competing authority structures for, for socialism. Well, you know, it's so interesting. You had mentioned among those groups sojourners. For example, I remember when World Magazine had put Jim Wallace on the hot seat and talked about funding that he had received from so, from uh, George Soros. He denied it and then later mm-hmm. on had to come out and admit it when it was proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that he had done it. We have other evangelical leaders, and I believe the ERLC is among them, saying the same thing. We don't take Soros money. That's just a myth. How do we know that these guys are taking Soros money? Because in many respects, it's hard to follow the money if you're just an average Christian doing some Googling. It's very, very difficult to follow the money because Soros is a little bit like the corporations that buy property and sell it to another corporation, and then a shell corporation buys that. And by the time you're done, you can't find out who owns the piece of property. But there was a WikiLeaks of a great uh, many documents from the Open Society Foundation some time ago, and we've been able to document every claim that we've made. So our follow the money chart that I quoted just a number of uh, of uh, you know names from just a few minutes ago, we re- we we researched that fully. We have documentation that every one of these groups that we that we have mentioned have taken money from either Soros or one of his fellow travelers, the Ford, Rockefeller, MacArthur, the Knight Foundation, all of them. So our chart has this outer ring of funding mechanisms, funding organizations, and then the first inner ring is all of these left-wing groups, groups that pretend to be uh, you know, faithful to the American ideal, like the Brennan Center for Justice. My goodness, Planned Parenthood, they take a ton of money from Soros. Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. Janet, every left-wing group that you can think of that has a profile in America today is being funded by Soros and or his fellow travelers. And so we've been able to document all this. We offer these resources uh, on our website, along with a one-hour documentary program that we produced about Soros, entitled Billionaire Radical, George Soros and the Scheme to Remake America. Yeah, it's shocking. So when we're talking about the ERLC, for example, if they received money from one of the fellow travelers, as you say, of Soros, and you're right, they do do some dodgy things. Like, for example, money from the Open Society Foundations, if I'm remembering correctly, found its way into the National Immigration Forum, which in turn turned around and funded radio ads for the Evangelical Immigration Table. So on its face, they'll say, we didn't take money from Soros. Okay, yeah, but you took money from a group that took money from Soros. That's how you kind of hide it. Is that generally what's going on? Because it would seem with the ERLC in particular, there'd be a lot of Southern Baptists who'd be pretty upset if it were definitively shown that, hey, wait a minute, why is our denomination taking Soros money? 
what you've described, Janet, is exactly how it happens. It's, uh, that's why Soros leads this group of hard left you know, billionaires. Uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is part of this whole thing as well. And it isn't always that you can trace the direct line back to Soros. Soros has $20 billion in the Open Society Foundation. That throws off about a million dollars in, a billion dollars in income a year. And so Soros funnels a tremendous amount of money. 70 to $100 million, uh, they believe, we believe, has gone to uh, defeat Donald Trump in the re-election campaign. And yet, it's, it's exactly as you say, it's open society gives something to the Arabella advisors, and the Arabella advisors gives it to a third party, and so these things have difficult tentacles to trace, which is why, Janet, what we're calling for in our effort to publicize these things is a congressional investigation followed by a Department of Justice investigation. Good. It's time that people uh, with the power to look into, the, into wrongdoing uh, because clearly some of this money is making into the hands of people that are propagating violence in America today, is investigated by at least the Senate and hopefully by the Department of Justice. Right. Well, I, I understand that sometimes there will be grants involved with any you know variety of ministries, but shouldn't there be some limits on who is allowed to donate to Christian ministries because they have an agenda that has nothing to do with the Great Commission? Well, see, here, and that's the other piece here. So what I can tell you what... Uh, the ERLC or World Vision is on the chart here. Yeah. World Vision as a recipient of source. They'll say, no, no, no. You see, we took those funds and we applied them to this noble cause of food or water or some program here or there. George Soros didn't give it to you for some noble cause. He gave it to you so that you would be beholding to him. Sure. And so it isn't the question of just taking the money, because they'll always come up with an excuse. No, no, we were doing this for non-political things and nothing to do with anything Soros is advocating. But then you watch these people step up and defend Soros in the, in the media and uh, in making remarks before other, other press. And I'll tell so, you what, hang on, Frank, just a moment. We do need to pause for a quick break. We'll come right back with Dr. Frank Wright on Janet Meffer today. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. Mabel walks 18 miles to church every Sunday. She lives in Zimbabwe, where churches are widely scattered in remote regions of this African country. That's one reason why she travels so far. The other reason she walks nine miles each way is that the gospel has truly captured her heart. After coming to faith in Jesus Christ, Mabel reads and studies her Bible, and she's discovered that the gospel is meant to be shared with others. So with the help of Bible League International, she's learning to share her faith, and she's helping to see a church develop closer to her village. Bibles are desperately needed in Africa and around the world right now, and you can send one to a Bibleist believer today for only $5, or $50 will send 10 Bibles. Become a Bible sender today by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-W-O-R-D. 800-YES-WORD, or there's a banner to click at Janet Mefford. 
This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. A burning issue worthy of public discussion across America is expanding the Supreme Court. Our government was designed to have three independent branches for an effective system of checks and balances. Court expansion would undermine the independence of the judiciary branch and make it a political arm of the legislative branch with partisan results. Watch a new video on the critical importance of the Supreme Court in ending abortion. Visit lifeissues.org and click on the top banner. Hi, this is Janet. It's been exciting to see so many of you help our ministry partner, Heart for Lebanon, this month. We had a goal to help bring the hope of Jesus to 100 families, and I'm so pleased to be able to tell you that to date, over 200 families have been served. We thank God for those of you who participated, but if you didn't have a chance to invest in what God is doing there, it's not too late. Just call 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499, or there is a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, I so appreciate the work of D. James Kennedy Ministries. They have really dug into the money, the money flowing from George Soros through a number of different organizations. It's a huge network, actually, to which his millions flow. And a lot of this is ending up in the coffers of evangelical ministries and entities that you know of, including some of the further left ones. But groups like the National Association of Evangelicals and the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Frank Wright, the president and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries, is with us. And the name of the documentary uh, exposing all of this is called Billionaire Radical, George Soros and the Scheme to Remake America. Frank, we we had very inconveniently cut you off there to go to a break. I'm sorry about no, that. No, it's okay. Yeah, My pick has gone deaf to music, I think, Janet. <laughs> I should be hearing that music by now and figuring all this out. It's okay. No problem. No problem. So you were talking about the flow. Uh, World Vision, for example, will say, well, you know, the money that that we get, uh, you know, that's not necessarily coming from donations from individual Christians. If we're getting some money through the Ford Foundation or what have you that Soros funds, it's going to things like clean water and things like that. You were describing why that doesn't matter. Well, it's the old Planned Parenthood argument, right? Planned Parenthood says we don't, we don't use any government funding for abortion because of the Hyde Amendment. Yes. But they do. They, they say we separate our abortion operations and our family planning. So the $600 million that they received in whatever time frame, that was used on quote-unquote family planning, not on abortion. There is no separation in these things. And most of these organizations are small organizations. They couldn't separate it if they wanted to. So when money flows to even if it's uh, essentially in response to a grant request for something good, it makes you have an obligation to try to defend him. I don't make that as a a statement of conjecture. We've seen them do that. We've seen them step up and defend things. Look at uh, at the comments for this group that, uh, you know, evangelicals against Trump or whatever their name is, and they say, we're pro-life. You know, we're pro-life yeah, yeah. because if you're, if you're for clean water, you're for, you're for pro-life, right? <laughs> and if you're for job opportunity, you're pro-life. Never mind the babies that are dying every day. You're, we're pro-life because we're for these life-affirming things. So it's the old Saul Alinsky 101. Take your opponent's terminology, redefine it, and use it in a way that works against them. And that's what this, these, these claims do. They do. I, I think that group is called Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. And I said, I don't even know how they could say that phrase without laughing at 
themselves. I mean, if or you're having <laughs> lightning strike them dead. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, you're going back to it. You, you touched on an argument that I've heard increasingly. This went back to Russell Moore, head of the ERLC in 2016, I believe, where they started to put forward this holistic pro-life argument. Oh, sure, abortion is bad. But on the other hand, we need to be about illegal immigration and, and kids. And, you know, it's like, wait a minute, do you just hijacked January 21st and, and the entire pro-life movement in order to try to say, if, if you don't vote for leftist causes, then you're really not pro-life, which is ridiculous. And yet they're saying it with a straight face. They're saying it with a straight face, hoping you just don't understand what the rest of the leftist agenda is. Yeah. Take Black Lives Matter, for example. We all know that they've, does it follow it anyway, that they've revised their website to try to hide their, their Marxist socialist leanings. But it's fraudulent on its face because we know for certain that they don't care one whit about a single black life anywhere. If they did, they would be storming the ramparts at Planned Parenthood, exactly. responsible for killing one third of all the abortions in America. America, since Roe versus Wade, over 20 million are black babies, and they only represent 14, you know, 33% of the abortions, black children, and they represent 14% of the, of the population. How is it that Black Lives Matter is not out defending black lives? It has nothing to do with it. It's all rhetoric. It's all a label that they conveniently uh, use. Again, it's using our terms. And then, and then redefining them in a way that suits them. And so people that don't pay careful attention here are taking in some of this. Yeah. Well, how much would you say Soros money is behind the increasingly leftward political lurch inside evangelical circles? You know, it's hard to say for certain because you'd have the next step in the analysis would be how much did they get? How big is their budget? So what was the percentage of the contribution? But, you know, I remember years ago, a friend of mine who used to sell appliances to Sears and Roebuck back in my college days, and he said, he said, the worst thing that can happen to you is to get more and more money from Sears, more and more business from Sears, because after a while, they control so much of your production, they start dictating prices. So when you start taking contributions from Soros, you're going to get more, and you're going to get more, and you're going to get more, and the expectation is going to be you're part of the plan here. You're part of the communication strategy that keeps evangelicals you know, uh, without really un- uh, from understanding what really is going on here. Well, right. It begs the question, why are these people willing to take this money? Why are they willing to go along with this? They're not stupid people. They know full well that if they take money from George Soros or an affiliated organization, that they're in his back pocket to some extent. Why are they willing to do it? Janet, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and heavenlies. And I have no other explanation to offer as to why people who profess personal faith in Jesus Christ can philosophically embrace something like Marxist socialism, which is anti-God, anti-private property, anti-everything. In fact, Marx himself said his two goals in life were to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. So how can they how can they profess faith in Christ and, and, uh, and adherence and reliance upon the scriptures as their rule for faith and practice and yet embrace something so antithetical? I could come up with no other explanation, explanation except that they're deluded. They're spiritually deluded. Well, I agree with you there. The other thing that's very troubling about Soros, obviously he has money invested all over the place in some of these secular groups. You mentioned Black Lives Matter and there are a host of other things. But for example, what comes to mind was a longtime columnist for the Chicago 
Chicago Tribune by the name of John Cass. People may know that name. He was demoted at the Chicago Tribune because he referenced the fact that Soros money was flowing to some of these big city prosecutors. And therefore, these rioters and looters were getting away with their bad activity in these major cities. Just for saying that, they dubbed him anti-Semitic, even though he never even mentioned the fact that Soros is Jewish. He got demoted merely for doing the job of a reporter. So Soros, it's not just a matter of, uh, you know, bringing money into all of these different pockets of American society. But now you have major newspapers and news organizations doing his bidding, silencing people who actually are trying to tell the truth about George Soros. A lot of us don't understand why doesn't Congress go after George Soros and do something about this guy? Well, you know, as it relates to the media, Janet, there's a five-second explanation, and it's the five seconds of blank air on Fox News when Newt Gingrich mentioned Soros, and the two uh, hosts on the program went silent. Yep. And you and I, anybody that knows media knows, the reason they were silent is because there was a producer talking in their ear, yeah. which means that, the, the, that what Newt called being, Soros being verboten was a dictum that came down from on high at Fox News. Mm. I think it's fearfulness on their part of losing advertising dollars. Soros has incredibly long reach to this network of organizations that he's assembled, particularly at the highest level, all these other you know, foundations that, uh, that they're all familiar with and comfortable with. Uh, in NPR. NPR takes Soros money. NPR, and, and, and we know they take money from a lot of these other liberal foundations as well. As well. The Huffington Post. I mean, look at SourceWatch, ProPublica, PBS, Media Matters. Yeah. Uh, these are all uh, Mother Jones. These are all media entities taking money from uh, Soros or an affiliated foundation or organization. Yeah. And so the reach is so incredibly strong that they're fearful. Well, you're right. And that was a really awkward moment. I saw that, that interview with Gingrich. But he was brave for saying it. I'm glad that he said it. And a lot of people noticed. Here's the thing I don't understand, though. Even in, in, in its present state, a lot of people will say in the post-Ales era, Fox News is not as conservative as it once was, although it has some very conservative anchors remaining there. Are they so foolish as to think that if Soros gets his goals fulfilled in the United States, that Fox News would even stay on the air in its present form? It, it couldn't. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, it's, it's when Glenn Beck left, there was the mystery there, too. It was the number one rated program on Fox News, and they sent Glenn Beck packing. Yeah. So was that ideology over return on investment? It seemed like it. And then this is return on investment over ideology, apparently, or maybe it's still the same thing. Maybe it's still ideology. That's uh, you know the old saw about uh, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Right. Whoever pay, whoever's paying the piper at Fox Fox News is calling the tune, and the tune is uh, radio silent on George Soros. Well, Frank, do you think that there's anything internally that Christians can do to hold their own leaders and organizations and ministries accountable? I mean, certainly the the bottom line for these ministries is they want cont- continued donors, you know, to come to them and be able to fund their work and so forth. If they got a little bit of pushback or maybe a lot of pushback from individual donors to organizations like World Vision, would that make enough of a difference for them to cut ties with some of these organizations through which Soros money is flowing? Janet, I'd like to think so, but do you remember when World Vision changed its policy with respect to providing insurance coverage for same-sex couples? Oh, yeah. And and then they just got slammed, and they reversed that policy. But they didn't fire Richard Stearns, and Rich is a friend of mine. I wouldn't say a bad word about Rich, but the board didn't fire him, which means the board is is on... with the program of making these things part of the policy of the operation of World Vision. I just think there's more cooperation there than the, than the money argument explains. I, I also think that, you know, Soros is, 
the thing that we should be concerned about is not just his influence, but his mindset. You've seen the, the, the quotes about he had messianic, troubling messianic fantasies as a young man, but he's no longer troubled by them because he's living, in, living them out. Right. And he says, my personal goal is to be the conscience of the world. Ugh. These are the kind of things in the past that have been said by people who started world wars. Oh, yeah. these, are, these are very almost lunatic kinds of things. At best, he's very, at best, he's got a lofty self-regard. At worst, he is seriously deluded himself, and yet he's the puppet master in all these things. There's a lot to be fearful of here. And election or no re-election of President Trump or not, uh, Soros is 90, and, but he's built this network, and a billion dollars of free money kicks out of that Open Society Foundation every year. It's all going to continue to flow in the same direction, and uh, so we should be looking for our faith community to hold our, our uh, you know, those accountable to take money from Soros. In fact, in the spring of next year, we're planning a second special on Soros because because we really, in our billionaire radical uh, program, we only obliquely touch on his influence in the evangelical church. Well, praise God for it, Frank. And, and a wonderful film, Billionaire Radical, djameskennedy.org is the website. Dr. Frank Wright with us. Frank, always good to chat with you. Thank you. And keep up the good work. Thanks, Janet. Great to talk to you today. You too. God bless you. We'll be back. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. This is a rather interesting poll that has come out from USA Today, Suffolk University. Fox reports three quarters of Americans are concerned about the possibility of violence either on or after Election Day. That's 75 percent. Clearly, three quarters is 75 percent. So would that translate to 75 percent of the voters voting for one candidate? Likely not. Because you have a whole group of people in this country who are utterly convinced that the violent fascist threat to America is the current president of the United States. Whereas you have millions more Americans believing that what they've been seeing in the streets of Portland and Seattle and Denver and so many other locations, Minneapolis across the country at the hand of leftists is going to be the big problem. Most recently, Philadelphia and Washington, D.C., But that's an awful lot of Americans who are really convinced that there will be violence. Well, why wouldn't we believe there will be violence? Of course, there's going to be violence. Of course, there's going to be violence. I have no doubt whatsoever. But here's what is even more troubling. The poll found that just 23 percent of Americans are very confident about a peaceful transfer of power. That is a concept that we have taken for granted for the entire history of our republic. The understanding on both sides of the aisle in our lifetimes has been, regardless of who is elected, whoever is in the White House leaves and the new person is sworn in and everything goes very, very smoothly, even though you are handing over power to the other party and you might not very much like it, but you will still do it because that's the will of the people. This year, fewer than a quarter of us believe 
there will be a peaceful transfer of power. Now, the left has been putting forth this narrative all along that it's going to be terribly dangerous for the republic because Donald Trump likely will not concede the election. You remember this transition integrity project had this whole scenario and they did this wargaming of a number of likely post-election scenarios and they wanted to figure out what we would do as a nation if Donald Trump refuses to leave the White House. Well, first of all, I don't believe for a moment that if he genuinely believes he lost and that there was no actual voter fraud that he would fail to leave office because that's not who he is. He's not a dictator. He's had four years in office to show his dictator stripes. Thus far, I haven't seen any. So when he says, I want to see what comes of the election, that's just being smart. When you have Antifa and Black Lives Matter and Soros-funded groups all over the nation trying to dissolve the republic and usher in a form of Marxism one way or another or globalism or some combination thereof, of course you would be foolish to say, regardless of what happens on the ground, I'm just going to leave and whatever. No, they're going to have some fighting back to do in court and you better believe they're going to stretch this out. I'm not sure at all that we're going to know the results of the election tomorrow night. We may not know for weeks. I don't know. I don't know what's to come. All I know is, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have an awful lot of praying to do. Now, what I find very, very disconcerting is this fear that a lot of Americans have of a potential civil war. That is not a small thing to even bring up, much less worry about. Because the last civil war we fought killed tens of thousands of people, and it was horrible, absolutely horrible. It just wrenched the country from stem to stern. Many, many, many people died and and it was just awful. We never want to have to go through that again, that there are people on both sides worried about it. I want to give you an example of this. 10 News First, which is an outlet in Australia, did a story about the fact that both sides now are fearing the possibility of civil war. Listen to cut one. Leanne doesn't want us to give her last name for fear someone on the internet will track her down and raid her. This probably would sustain us for six months. She's a bathroom designer by trade, a grandmother and a Biden supporter. One of millions of Americans getting ready. We have respirators, we have suits for chemicals. For anything. You actually got stuck there for a chemical weapons attack. In case. What she won't show us on camera is an extraordinary array of guns. We have an arsenal of guns and ammunition for protection. Leanne believes America is already in a low-level civil war, which the coming election is unlikely to ease. This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. The uncertainty. Not knowing what's going to happen. Not knowing what people are capable of. Faith and trust in the American voting system has never been so low. The American president has been telling his supporters for months that the whole thing has been rigged. And both sides have been constructing legal teams ready to contest the outcome here in the U.S. Supreme Court. Down at the local shooting range, Terry Monroe is training up his 12-year-old son. Just to give him familiarization with what a gun is, a real gun versus something that you see off of uh, video games, which he plays a lot of. Have you ever seen America in the mood that it's in at the moment? Never. Shooter Bill Ivory says he fears mayhem when, as he has no doubt will happen, Trump 
wins. I just think the uh, the liberal left will become unhinged. I look for uh, Antifa and all of those folks just to break loose, especially if it's a really humiliating, overwhelming trouncing that Biden takes. Now, here's what is notable, and that is the fact that in some of the social media posts of members of the intelligence community who are conservatives and who are out there talking about what they know from the inside, some of them no longer in the intelligence community, but have military background and have been part of the intelligence community over the last decade or two decades, depending on who you're talking about. They have made points pertaining to the likelihood of violence, regardless of who wins, because Antifa, for example, is not a group that has any interest in the standard Democrat Party operation. They're not fans of Biden. They're fans of Bernie Sanders. They want full-blown communism. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I thought they were anarchists. Well, they are. They just want to overturn the United States. And they're not big fans of Joe Biden. I sometimes scratch my head and wonder what exactly he has to commend him these days. But that's left to the voters. Uh, But I will say that violence is being predicted regardless of who wins which is not a good thing for the United States of America. It's not a good thing for President Trump to be put in a position where he may have to invoke the Insurrection Act finally and have to go in, bring in the National Guard. And, you know, the National Guard's on alert in many locations already. So it's not an unlikely thing, but it's a scary thing. It's a very unnerving thing. And meanwhile, when we look at what's been going on over the weekend with the Biden-Harris campaign, it's just weird out there. Here we have nonstop videos If you're on social media at all, on Twitter, for example, nonstop videos of long lines of trucks with Trump flags and American flags and honking. There was some 96 mile long uh, line in, where was it, Arizona? I mean, it's crazy. And you had this big Butler, Pennsylvania rally over the weekend with the president. Tens of thousands of people are showing up. And then you you go over to the Obama-Biden rally and there's like 10 people sitting socially distanced. And there is Barack Obama introducing Joe Biden and Joe Biden is not even, he's like, what? He doesn't even know which way is up. Now, on the one hand, you can look at this and say, man, this just, this this is an indication that there's no way he's going to win. Here's another take on that, though. If there is no way he is going to win, don't you think they would be working a little harder? I mean, if you look at the polls, for example, here's real clear politics. I'm looking at the latest numbers here. And there are all these polls, NBC News, Wall Street Journal, IBD Tip, Rasmussen, Fox News, The Hill, The Economist, Emerson, USA Today, uh, USA Today and Suffolk, Reuters, and on and on and on. It's all Biden. Biden is up by 7.2. This is nationally. Biden is up by 10. Biden is up by 6. Biden is up by 3, 8, 4, 11. That's The Economist in the YouGov poll. Biden is up by 11 points. Now, when you look at the lack of enthusiasm for Joe Biden compared to what you're seeing at all of these Trump rallies, it makes you scratch your head and say, what is going on? There are some people who have said, I've been asked who I'm voting for, and I tell them I'm voting for the other guy just to mess with them because it's none of their business who I vote for. So there could be a fair amount of lying going on or playing with the pollsters. There could be uh, a difference in how many people they're interviewing who are from one party or another. If you're polling more Democrats than Republicans, then the numbers would be skewed. Who knows? But there are also polls showing that Trump is doing very, very well. The Democracy Institute poll just came out showing an electoral college landslide for Donald Trump. So the average voter looks at this and says, what is going on? I don't know. Well, we're about to find out, though. 
We'll pause for a break and come back. You're listening to Janet Mufford today. The Ministry of Preborn is there for moms in crisis who are choosing between life and death for their preborn babies. Meet Sophie. At 22 weeks pregnant, Sophie was pressured by her mother and boyfriend to terminate her pregnancy. After meeting with a preborn counselor, she found the love and support she needed. After I had that first ultrasound and I saw her and I was looking at the pictures over and over and over again, that's when I decided I was going to stand up to my mother and tell her, no, I can't do an abortion. Sophie chose life, and now she's awaiting the birth of her baby girl. Every day, Preborn is on the front lines fighting Planned Parenthood to help young moms just like Sophie to choose life. For a gift of $140 today, you can help to rescue five babies' lives. And now through a matching gift, your gift will be doubled, rescuing 10 babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Are you in need of a healthcare program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month, and there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month, and there's no network so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org jmt. That's libertyhealthshare.org jmt. Or call now, 855-565-2561, 855 855- Five six five twenty five sixty one. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. I was mentioning this Democracy Institute poll, which goes up against some of these other national polls showing Biden way in the lead nationally. Biden's going to win. Biden's going to win. Biden's going to win. Breitbart reports the poll now from the Democracy Institute and Sunday Express of 1,500 likely voters was conducted between October 28th, I believe it was, and October 30th, showing Trump with a one-point lead over Biden in the national popular vote. So that's 48 to 47 percent. And then you have the Libertarian candidate, Joe Jorgensen, receiving 2 percent of the vote. The Green Party candidate it gets 1%. And this is within the poll's 2.5% margin of error. And the poll shows the president leading in the Electoral College by a margin of 326 to 212. Now, if there are 326 electoral votes tied up on election night, you're done. You're done. But we don't know what will happen because you've got some of this you know, some of these judges have weighed in and now there are certain states where you're not going to get the results right away because of mail-in ballots. So who knows what kind of craziness is going to ensue this week? I'm, I'm set for anything. I'm prepared for anything. But I want to go back to something that I had mentioned before, and that is the enthusiasm gap, the enthusiasm gap that is visible to everybody where as some people have said, Joe Biden can't even seem to fill up a minivan with people who want to go see him. Very strange for somebody who is allegedly 10 or 11, 11 points up nationally. That's that's just not what you would expect whatsoever. 
Not only that, but I want to play a little montage here of some of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's greatest hits over the weekend. You know, Kamala was here in Texas where I am. There were hardly any people there. She was doing her giggling thing. There were some interesting moments and Joe Biden more gibberish. I'm not really sure what's going on with him, but but just get a little bit of a sense of what went on over the weekend with a few extras thrown in from uh, earlier on. This is cut two. The president likes to portray himself. I love this. Likes to portray himself as a tough guy. When you were in high school, wouldn't you have liked to take the shot? Anyway, it's a different story, but anyway. Barack and I think it's a right for people that have bad health care. Effective strategy to mobilize true and international effort to pressure. This isn't a political statement like those ugly folks over there beeping the horns. When and God willing, if we win, Joe Biden and I are about to get rid of that tax cut. I am so honored to introduce the next president of the United States, Senator Kamala Harris. Would you be prepared to shut this country down again? So if the scientists say shut it down, I would shut it down. Folks, we got a lot of work to do. I don't need you to get me elected. I need you once I'm elected. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Is that weird? Why would he say something like that? We have put together the most extensive voter fraud organization in the history of politics. That's a very strange thing to say without retracting it immediately. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't mean fraud. I don't need you to get me elected. Now, you don't want to go all conspiratorial here, but in light of the fact that we know how the Democrats behave when it comes to trying to do everything they can to get the votes they need, dead or alive, uh, illegal or legal, uh, you, you got to put it in your back pocket and just remember it. Just remember it. Just remember these things are going on. Remember that you had a woman getting up on stage introducing Kamala Harris as the next president of the United States. What is the plan if Joe Biden is elected? They're going to quickly, you know, let the FBI take care of him and the the China scandal and Hunter and all the rest and kind of kick him out, impeach him or for health reasons, he's stepping down. Now we got Kamala Harris as the president. What? I mean, is that is that the will of the people? This woman couldn't even make any decent showing in the Democrat primaries when she was running for president uh, initially and couldn't get anywhere. So these are all scenarios that are likely. Plus, we have the whole issue of the Transition Integrity Project. And this is really important. Uh, Julie Kelly wrote about this over at American Greatness a while back. And she said, you know, here is Joe Biden, who has promised to accept the outcome of the 2020 election and said so at the debate with the moderator, Chris Wallace, at the helm. But as she points out, he wasn't telling the whole truth. He can publicly assure Americans he'll abide by the voters decision this year because he knows his campaign team is part of a massive operation co-signed by the most powerful media, business and political interests in the country, performing Biden's dirty work behind the scenes to make sure that he, not Donald Trump, takes the oath of office on January 20th. And she goes into all of the background about the Transition Integrity Project, and she's written about this elsewhere. But then she says one set of crucial stakeholders in this plot are Silicon Valley tycoons and other assorted billionaires who are bent on taking down this president. And we've seen this with what Twitter has been doing to the New York Post over the Hunter Biden stories. It's shameful. Now, they've allowed the New York Post to get back online, but not while it really mattered. 
So what's going on? A co-founder of the Transition Integrity Project is tied to big tech, progressive activists with deep pockets and a personal vendetta against Donald Trump. Nils Gilman is the vice president of the Berggruen Institute, a California-based think tank established in 2010 after the financial crisis, which seeks great transformations to restructure global institutions such as capitalism and democracy. And then you have other people involved in this. Uh, Gilman made news, actually, when he publicly called for the execution, the execution of author Michael Anton, a co-founder and occasional contributor to American Greatness, who wrote an expose about the Transition Integrity Project. And what riled Gilman enough to suggest Anton should face a firing squad is that Anton accurately reported how George Soros, the biggest donor to radical left-wing causes around the world, is funding the coup-like effort. And then she goes into all these oligarchs who are on board with this, board members of Ger- and include Reed Hoffman, who is the co-founder of LinkedIn, Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, Evan Spiegel, who's the co-founder of Snapchat, and on and on. You don't think this matters? It does matter because it's almost like the candidate isn't a side. They have an agenda. He's the guy, but the guy kind of doesn't matter because they have an agenda. They have a great reset to push forward and accomplish. We already know this from the World Economic Forum. All of this matters a lot. So keep all of this in your back pocket. And while you are, I want to go to the most important thing. I go back to President Lincoln's Proclamation 97. This was issued in 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War. The Civil War, where you had the war between the states. Appointing a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. That's what this proclamation was called. I want to read part of this. And tell me if this is not fitting for our own moment as well. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace." It's as Habakkuk 3.2 says, the prayer of the prophet Habakkuk, as the Babylonians were to come and execute God's justice on the wicked in Judah. And he prayed, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. We do deserve God's wrath. I don't think there's any Christian who would dispute that. Look at how many preborn babies have been murdered for no other reason than the convenience of the people who should have been protecting those children. Look at the redefinition of marriage, which can never be done. 
and recognizing sexual conduct that God calls an abomination. Look at the wickedness, the godlessness, the filth that is coming out of this nation every single day and out of our TV sets and off our smartphones and our internet connections. And look at how we treat each other. Look at the violence, the rudeness, the, the, just everything that flows out of a heart that doesn't know the Lord and has forgotten him. The vacuum has been filled with absolute wickedness and the devil is having his day, but the devil is still the God's devil. He is God's devil. And we can't forget that. Pray for this country because no matter what threatens this country, our Lord is God over it. And he does listen to us when we come to him and we cry out to him for mercy. And he does delight to give us mercy. But we must repent of our sins and beg him for the forgiveness that we certainly don't deserve, but can access through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Pray for this country like you've never prayed for it today. And we'll trust him for tomorrow. Thank you for being with us on Janet Meffer today. And God willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.